Welcome to episode three of the Asbury Pod podcast with Amy Quinn. Amy's guest this week is Mike Manzella, transportation manager for the city of Asbury Park. Before we start our conversation with Mike, first, the disclaimer. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park. In my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park, they do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the city of Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not, and I repeat not, an official city of Asbury Park podcast. This does not represent the official position of the city of Asbury Park or the governing body. Hey, this is Amy Quinn and... Oh, me? Uh, Joe Walsh. Uh... At Asbury Pod, it's July 6th, and we are talking all things Asbury Park, but we are leaning towards transportation. So in a little bit, you're going to get an opportunity to hear from Asbury Park's favorite transportation manager, Mike Manzella. Before we talk to Mike, um, Joe and I are going to go through a couple of events that we think are exciting. Um, we are starting Music Mondays. Actually, last Monday was our first one. Our Actually, it might have been our second one. Um, and Music Mondays starts about 5.30 at Springwood Ave Park. It is truly one of my favorite events in Asbury Park. It brings a really diverse cross-section of people. The music is always fantastic. Um, and one of my favorite council members, Eileen Chapman, is uh, one of the people who helps organize it. Uh, truly one of my favorite events in the summer. And I'm going to give another plug to another one of my favorite events in the summer, which is Asbury Park Family Day at the Beach, which is July 13th. And it's put on by Surfrider. Uh, was started by Joe Werner, God, 10 plus years ago, I'm guessing. And free beach lessons for kids in Asbury Park it goes on all day at the north end of the beach. Um, and is, again, probably my second favorite event that goes on in Asbury Park. And that's July 13th? July 13th, all day, free beach lessons, and there's food. Surfrider does like a um, uh, like a scavenger hunt. So they put things all around, and they have kids pick up little crabs, and then they go into all of it. It's so, so fun. Um, and one, one thing I want to say about sure. the Music Mondays, the next, we may not be able to get this on the air by then, but July 8th, Louis Prima Jr. is performing so you what? know I am so not up on music, which is why I'm deferring all music to you, because unless it's the Indigo Girls, I have no idea who you are. Well, I mean, Louis Prima wouldn't be being up on music. It's just the opposite. I'm into old music. Okay. And so, uh, you know, Louis Prima was big, uh, you know, b- big band singer uh, from the 40s and 50s. Uh, you know, most famously, Just a Gigolo was, was his song, but um, even that is getting a blank stare from Amy. So... Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll just move on. But Dej and the Swagmatics, also awesome. Some great acts coming. So I think that's such a fun event. I can't, I can never make that. Can't get home from work in time, but that's just a wonderful uh, thing for everyone to go to. And, and I do know Dej and the Swagmatics, and they are absolutely phenomenal. So right. there are two bands that I know the Indigo Girls and Dez. Um, 
Another event that I love going to um, is the Transformers public art event, and it takes place on Thursdays at 7.15 on the 2nd Ave Beach, and it's performance art. Um, and a woman named Victoria does it. She does an amazing job on it. I don't always get it, but it's super, super interesting to watch. And usually with the backdrop of the ocean around, you know, 7, 7, 15, it's, it's interesting to watch and it's gorgeous to watch. And kids are invited. So we usually pack everybody up and head down to Second Ave Beach on Thursdays. I believe that starts this week. So super excited about that. Right. That's the third annual Siren Arts Summer Residency and Exhibition Program for Emerging Visual Artists. Yeah. It's super fun. We went last year and um, Marilyn's one of the participants. She also gets like a really diverse group of performances and performers. And she also incorporates kids in Asbury Park into at least two or three of their performances. Um, so I can't say better things about one, that event and two about Victoria. She's actually featured in Tri-City News. So if, and I believe it's a two week edition in Tri-City. So, um, pick up the July 6th edition of Tri-City and read all about Victoria because she's doing really cool, interesting stuff. Right. And that runs July 11th to August 22nd. Yeah. Um, every Thursday evening at seven on Second Avenue Beach. You got it. And then I'm going to bore you for two seconds with, uh, what's going on municipally, which is public art. On Monday, July 15th, Shade Tree Commission, July 16th, Business Committee, July 17th. Um, I think I talk to you all the time that Public Art and probably Business Committee are my two spiciest committees. Um, I'm, I'm really stunned about Public Art being the spicy one. Well, yes, Public Art is spicy because artists hate municipal laws. So when we bring up permits or notifications... There's an uproar among the committee Got it. that the fact that they even have to participate in the law or what our regulations are and that we are not just thanking them for putting up public art. Um, but it is run by Jen Hampton and we are going to be doing an all things Asbury Park, Asbury Pod art that Jen's going to be featured in. We're just figuring yes. out the month to do that. Um, we adore Jen Hampton and she handles that crew of people amazingly. Well, you can't, uh, I mean, I think you cannot give Jen Hampton enough praise for the, oh art, the work she's done around um, Asbury Park. And just a uh, couple of things about Jen, the parlor ga her gallery, parlor gallery here on Cookman Avenue. Next uh, exhibition, Orange Crush, coming up on July 13th. Um, and it runs July 13th to August 19th, Orange Crush. And they're doing like an art swap with the New Orleans Gallery. Um, oh, super cool. This special exhibition celebrates the shared vision of Asbury's celebrated gallery, Parlor Gallery, and one of New Orleans' most sought-after art destinations, Gallery Orange. So um, there's New Orleans artists being coming up, being displayed here in Parlor Gallery, and I assume the opposite will be happening um, in New Orleans at some point. We'll have to ask Jen about this, the, the inverse of this. Um, but I thought that was pretty fascinating, and that the re opening reception of that is Saturday the 13th, and that's going to run... Um, 7 to 11 on the 13th, but it's going to run, the exhibition is going to run through the 19th. So certainly um, stop by Parlor ga Gallery at 717 Cookman to catch that. Uh, we adore Jen and um, can't wait to have her on to talk all things art. So I think I'm covered. We don't really have anything interesting going on at the council meeting that I need to bring up. And to be honest with you, I haven't read the packet yet, but we have a council meeting Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell you what's on it because I'll probably read it Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And I we were looking forward to public comment about another issue. And I can't remember. You know, the last time we recorded was so long ago, it might as well have been, you know, last year. I forgot 
Do you remember there was a... We had banned the plastic bags and accepted... We did ban things. plastic bags and I did get grief, but that's okay. And that's moved on. What's the next next issue on the horizon that will bring grief? Um, what is the next issue on the horizon that will bring grief? I, I'm guessing styrofoam? Yes. Yeah, that, that's probably going to cause me some grief, but mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to start looking into that and, and probably work towards banning that. We had the fireworks um, on July 4th, which were amazing, and uh, unfortunately met with a shooting, which was horrible. There was a shooting on the 4th? Yeah, I didn't. I did not know. Like not, really? It's been all over the internet. I, I, well, I've been on vacation, so I haven't looked oh, at it. okay. Yeah, no. we had a shooting, oh. um, and that was heartbreaking for, for I think, everybody. Um, but I want to give a huge credit to the police who... Um, certainly um, made everybody feel safe and during and after that process. Mm. Um, and the mm. city is um, in the middle of an investigation. So I really can't comment okay, we'll on it other it. than saying that, you know, we were we were obviously heartbroken. That's terrible. Um, I have one other art news um, thing. Uh, there's an exhibition also at the Collective Art Tank on 529 Bangs coming up. Well, it's just the opening reception is tonight, so no one listening to this podcast will hear it in time. But it's going to run through the twenty seventh. It's an exhibition of new sculptures by Carrie Ruddick from Asbury Park and drawings by Carrie. and drawings by Morgan Daly from Brooklyn, and they'll be on display at five two nine Bangs. That's the collective art tank, um, and a um, opening a closing party on the twenty seventh. But exhibition is free, open to the public, and we open Fridays through Sundays, twelve to six. And there's a website for it, carryandmorgan.show. Oh, awesome. Super interested in that. Tonight, there's also something at the Danny Glinch Gallery for the public art Transformers thing that I'm going to pop by to support Victoria. And if the listeners hear people in the background right now are picking up noise, that's because um, Michael Manzella just came in. So we Is he are, fighting people in the lobby? He may be fighting my three-year-old, and it appears my three-year-old's winning. <laughs> one, one last thing before we uh, bring Mike in. Um, an update on the Asbury Park African American Music Project. You know, you reminded me when you mentioned Danny Clinch. I mean, we had the great support from Danny at that open house. I mean, couldn't uh, not the, open, the opening. Oh my God! I'd say at least hundred to one hundred and fifty people came out for that. That was really well attended, and Danny was you know um, who I don't know personally, but he is really the nicest person as far as I can tell. Uh, you know, he was very friendly and opened up that space to him uh, uh, to the the amp. But uh, Asbury Amp posted something interesting: the Detroit Sound Conservancy which is engaged in a similar project in Detroit, um, their executive director, Dr. Carlton Goltz, came to visit here, Asbury Park. Oh, wow. Um, with Jen and and people whose names are blank. Uh, right Yvonne. Now. I think there's a number of people involved. In yeah. It. We'll just well, no, refer Yvonne to Jen and Yvonne. Jen and Yvonne. Hey, Jen and Yvonne. Um, uh, and so he posted a nice little thing on their Instagrams that visited with kindred uh, music heritage spirits in Asbury Park, African-American uh Music Heritage Project, uh, today in New Jersey, they are hard at work attempting to preserve the Turf Club, and they have cited our own work with the Bluebird in Detroit as an inspiration. So and then he hashtagged West Hot, West Side, Springwood Avenue, and the Chitlin Circuit, which I thought was great. So that you know, Asbury Amp has roots around the country. You know, they were out in San Francisco last year, uh, working again with similar-minded people. So you know, I think there's some really interesting future ahead with that Asbury Amp. Oh, me too, me too. And so proud of Souter um, for, for moving this project forward and Yvonne. Did you see them on TV? I saw them on TV. I thought both Yvonne and Jen were perfect 
TV people. In fact, maybe they should be running this podcast. They should possibly be running this podcast because they they were fabulous on TV. Right. And they're really just better people than you or I. Right. Exactly. It's a moral failing on this side of the microphone. They are like the (laughs) loveliest of lovely people. Right, right. And neither of us are that. No, neither neither of us are that. Um, So I think that's it for upcoming events and possible grief uh, and other... Drama? Yeah, we're yeah. going to bring Mike in just just because we actually have, have like, I don't know, maybe three listeners. Just so everyone mm-hmm. knows, we tape these on the, is it the first and third? Yes, and third. it's the first and third yeah. Saturday. And then we get them up whenever you figure out how to get them up because I don't even I, know how to get them up. Yeah, I have to do some, we, we've had some technical difficulties for those of you out there. And so you may have heard some audio issues and I'm trying to work those through. Uh, we had a two microphone input that works great, but when we had a third I, you know, I'm not really good at math, and everything becomes complicated after that. And, and then anything you say that we might need, my wife immediately buys because she's the most supportive person on the planet. We're ringing up a very big bill. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I just for, mentioned... for the three people who are currently listening to right. this podcast. Well, no, I know there's just least... so you know, this is costing me thousands. Well, right. Well, I did. I, I think there's at least five now. Okay. Someone emailed me. I'm like, what? How did you even know? Oh, too funny. Yeah, and um, and at least um, some of our Santander crew is totally listening. To this yeah, podcast, shout out to the Santander. A, shout out to all of the <laughs> all of the ladies in the Santander who continue to listen to this podcast because we, it's going because of you. Well, I assume they're all stuck in the elevator and listening on their headphones for the police to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah. So every time we mention, like, even casually, maybe we should think about upgrading this uh, hardware. Uh, it arrives in the mail before we can say, let's not buy that. Until so the most recent thing that Heather bought, I haven't been able to make work yet. So th- we're still working on this imperfect mixer, and the four microphone thing that Heather bought so generously <clears throat> crashes my computer every time it, we connect it. So I'm on. I'm working with help um support from japan on this and it's you know haven't figured it out but anyway yeah but we want to thank everybody or the three people from the santander and doug who who listened to this podcast doug from Volan? no doug mcqueen from complete oh. streets oh sorry yeah 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 no he's emailed me ideas which were all but i think good, if, so if I doug from cafe Volan is listening then i think we've yeah, the big we time. aren't that big i assure you um, okay, we'll be back with Mike Manzella, and we're going to bust his balls about parking and transportation. Yeah, and, and curse words. Asbury Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of words. Asbury Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day, save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello. We're back with Asbury Park's uh, transportation manager and one of my favorite employees, but don't tell Leisha Cassandra. Definitely won't. They're my favorite employees over you. Um, And we're going to talk about all things transportation. And you probably haven't listened to the other podcast episodes. I actually have because I knew I was going to be a guest and I was like, oh, let me listen to this. Yeah, what are these two idiots doing? Yeah. No, I think it's it's a great podcast. The one thing I was curious about is why is it not in stereo? Well, I, mean, I don't even know what that means. What is that? I, I don't even know why is it not in stereo means. Well, if I knew, uh, I would have an answer for that. So the, I thought, you know, there are garage bands out there. This is a garage podcast. So this is how... Do you need Heather to buy something? No. Tell her God, right Jesus. now and like, she will immediately buy I it. I know. So like, don't even mention it. In fact, d- tell Heather not to listen to this podcast okay. anymore. Cause, so we what happened talking, is... She is so... She's like the most supportive person on the planet whenever I have a hobby. So mm-hmm. so if Joe like says, I need this $7,000 pen, it's in the mail. 
Really? No, I sent an email saying we might have. I said we might want to think about buying something like this, and then the next day it showed up. <laughs> and it's like, no, that wasn't what I said. I said we might want to think about buying something like that. So uh, this podcast came about because we were having dinner at Taka after a movie. Right. I was extraordinarily drunk. Yes. Right. I had slept through the movie. I was so drunk. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great movie. It was yeah. a great movie. Uh, it, it was the, it was it the was, Emily Dickinson movie. And yeah, it was I had to go see that. why yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. it again sober. Okay. So we, oh, I was, oh, so I had gone to Christina Banyan, who owns uh-huh. Pucker yeah. and Tony Sausage, yeah. 40th birthday at Watermark. And I should never have more than, I should never really have more than one drink, but I had like three or four of their like margarita mm. something that was amazing. Mm and got super drunk and then we had these movie plans with joe and rita Mm -hmm. that i didn't want to cancel so i slept through that entire movie and then we went to taka where apparently (laughs) i was like we should do a podcast and i and i said well i have you know i have recording uh interfaces and microphones we could do it and i do for two people two microphones and so a week later we're doing the podcast with three and well, that, I ha- I'm going to interrupt for one second. We go over for dinner, and Joe's it. like, are we working on this podcast? So me and Heather, who was also drunk, have to go just briefly outside for a second and try to piece together what we said about this podcast <laughs> at Taka, because right. neither one of us remember saying anything really at all. <laughs> and then we piece together like a couple of sentences that we talked about a podcast, and then we go back in and act like we know what Joe's talking about. Oh, yeah. We had not a clue what he was talking about. Yeah. Well, at least he knew. And yes, thank God he was sober. And well, that's how this podcast came into existence. What also started, you know, I would... Um, I had the microphone, the two microphone, in, which I know how to uh, input, so which I know how to use because you know I, I'm an amateur musician and, I, and I've, I've had practice with that. Yeah. So the day before we actually go live, um, Amy upgrades me to, from engineer to co-host. <laughs> I was like, all right, but now we need three microphones, and right. that has the, been the problem: is not been able to get. Uh, you know what I had realized? Didn't you know realize Heather's it. buying three new microphones? Yeah, right don't know. It's not the mic. It's this thing. It's the mixer. Okay. Yeah. The mixer only has two outputs. We have three microphones. And so ah. we're recording like two of them in the left channel, one in the right. That's what's happening. And, but I thought the software, when it was going to the mix, was mixing them as mono. Mm-hmm. Because when I was listening to it, it sounded mono. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize when you put on your headphones, it's everyone's in the left channel. And right. I was like, oh, until someone told me. Because when I was listening, I was listening through this, the speaker here. Uh-huh. And it wasn't clear that that was happening. So I just figured that I, out. I was listening on the train. I have AirPods. Right. And I only heard it in the left AirPod. And I was like, is there something wrong with no, my no, AirPods? It's, but it, no, it's this. It's me. And I, um, I have a friend of mine. The friend of mine who pointed it out to me is like, oh, you have to change it when it's getting mixed down on the way out. We'll fix it. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I didn't realize it was happening because when I was listening to it, I was listening on the speaker, the, the, the computer, the computer yeah, and it sure. sounded like a single channel mono, which is what I thought was going out. So, mm. yeah. Um, it's not you. It's us. It's real. Oh, it's me, actually. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I this don't is know. a garage Listen, pod. I show like, up. In other words, we yeah. don't. Hey. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing, and uh, we've got microphones that don't match. We have you know clown, you know like you have like a bozo mic over there with the with the red <laughs> nose, right? So and I'm mine's put green. This on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so Amy, let's talk about um, let's grill Mike for the reason that he's here. Yes. <laughs> and the way you came about was 
Um, Tell me, because I don't know. Well, I'm not even, so this is my recollection of it, which obviously could be wrong. This is not the city's recollection of it, so let me be really clear. This is just my recollection of it. You know, we have to do disclaimers because Fred's so worried that we're going to get sued. I'm going to do mine now because I am also a city employee. You are a city employee. My opinions are not of the city's. They are of my own. Yeah, Nobody think- can sue us <laughs> on this podcast based on anything we say ever. Well, let's not tempt that. Okay. So I was on the parking committee for a couple of years, mm. and I hated it. Gotcha. And it was the worst committee. I, it made public art look like a walk in the park mm. um, because people hate your guts. They hate your guts mm-hmm. if you charge for parking. Yes. They hate your guts if you don't charge for parking. Yes. And at the time, Mike Sedano was the chair. Mike Sedano, who who owns the showroom in Asbury Park, he and his partner Nancy, um, amazing theater that the six people listening to this should amazing should people. amazing people. Yes. By the way, we're getting exponential growth in this. There's at least nine, there's at least <laughs> nine people listening now. I'm just pointing that out. Right so I. I hated the parking committee and quite frankly quit it because it it was just so horrible. And what and I'll give you a perfect example of how horrible it was. A guy shows up, threatens Mike Sedano that he is going to tell everybody not to go to the movies based on a parking policy that Mike Sedano supported. Mm. Like that people get and so fucking like, nasty. I'm off. He's off. <laughs> yeah. we, oh, there was a mass exit. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, you, mm-hmm. I believe you were hired. Yeah. And I can say unequivocally, and I've said this before numerous times, you are hands down our best hire because we didn't have the position before. Yeah. And I would give you hundreds of thousands of dollars just not to have to deal with people and their tickets because <laughs> they're so irate. They're so irate. It's probably the most irate that people get. Oh my God. You know when I get pulled over, because I don't want to be one of those politicians who's like, do you know who I am? When I get pulled over, I'm like, okay, no problem. Whatever you say I did, I did. I'll take the ticket. You want to write another one? That's okay too, because I am never going to be like trying to get out of this ticket. And I'm never, and I never get irate. Yeah. Because I know, I deal with irate people. Right, yeah. So, okay, first question. Mm -hmm. Interested in transportation? What made me interested? Yeah. Ah. That's a good question. So when I was at uh, Stevens Institute of Technology in my undergrad, um, it was an engineering school. And I knew that engineering, by, you know, by the time I got to my fifth year at Stevens, I was like, I don't think I want to be an engineer. But fortunately, at that school, we're also required to take humanities courses. And the last course I took senior year was called The History of Metropolitan Development. And it was with my favorite professor. He's just an awesome guy. And he really conveyed to us why, since you know the Second World War, this country, the decisions that we've made in the built environment, autocentric suburban development, has ruined <laughs> a lot of, you know, really affects, has a lot of negative consequences and affects people in ways that you might not even think about. Not only the environment in terms of how much pollution uh, single occupancy vehicles create, but also just societal impacts, really a breakdown of the societal structure because people are isolated. Not everyone can drive. Seniors, kids, um, folks with disabilities, and what what that does is is it breaks down the social cohesion. Not only that, the health impacts. Um, it's no, it's probably no coincidence that since we started developing autocentric after World War II, um, the obesity. And when you say autocentric, yeah, just because sorry. I'm, I'm going to dumb this down sure. a little bit for me. So when you say autocentric, the reliance on cars. Reliance is that what that on means, cars, right? Okay. Basically, building housing jobs that the only way you can get to them are, are by driving. Okay. Um, for a long time, so many suburbs didn't even build sidewalks. Um, bikes are definitely a, a, you know, more than an afterthought. Um, so the health impacts, you know, 
it's no coincidence that since we've started developing this way that the obesity rate in America has just skyrocketed because people aren't active and they don't the best way to stay active is to use active transportation as your primary means of getting somewhere walking biking uh, taking public transit even because you're walking to transit usually or on transit so um, for all those reasons it really enlightened me as to like why are we doing this and I grew up in the suburbs too although it was it was a short town Kingsburg much like Asbury Park in terms of a walkable grid so I got it but still not everything we had was in town and you had to drive to get to a lot of places to jobs um, so it really made me kind of think about how can we change specifically New Jersey because that's, that's my home um, to be a place where people want to live that they can walk and bike and not have to own a car if they don't need to hmm. I mean, you, you just hit on something I, I've been thinking about for years totally un- we were, you know I was getting ready to talk about parking tickets mm-hmm. and <clears throat> It's really fascinating the history of highways mm-hmm. in the United States and the impact on urban centers. So all of the quote urban decay that you see New York, Chicago, Newark, Trenton, Camden <clears throat> that popped up in the late 60s and 70s were preceded by the building of uh, multi-lane highways out of the city. So the wealthy w- who had wherewithal moved out and took with them money and opportunity leaving behind the poor, you know, whereas rich and poor used to live together in the same cities. The wealthy separated uh, parts of the economy um, out physically. You know, and then we built these highways like Camden and Trenton are actually surrounded by highways. We sort of carved out highways. Like, so Trenton is separated from the rest of Mercer County by like four lanes of Route 1, uh, 295 in the south, 29 along the river. Um, it's, it's worse than that. Um, yeah. The highways, when they were laid out, not only kind of isolated people, but literally took out neighborhoods. Yeah. And, and we could have a whole other podcast episode on this. Well, we both went <laughs> to Rutgers, New Brunswick. Route yes. 18, I remember when Route 18 stopped at George Street, mm-hmm. there was a whole neighborhood along the waterfront and, Rar- and along the Raritan River mm-hmm. that was the oldest part of New Brunswick, the old Dutch sea captain homes and things like that, all just bulldozed. Mm-hmm. And now New Brunswick has four lanes of highway between it and its waterfront that kind of it seems to me inhibited economic growth for a long time. Yeah. I think it's recovering now, yeah. but I, I mean, the decisions we made in the fifties and sixties in terms of urban renewal just were so wrong. They, they just completely just decimated communities. And, and a lot of the problems that we still face today in terms of, um, you know, not having equal communities is because we bulldoze highways through neighborhoods. So Mike, I want, I want you to take a controversial stand. Robert Moses, saint or sinner? Yeah, do we, oh, do we... sinner. <laughs> Jane Jacobs all yeah, the way. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so who are those two people? Uh, well, you wanna... well uh, Robert Moses is the urban planner for New York City, very, very famously ah. you know, uh, built uh, the West Side Highway. Or... Yeah, a bunch of highways. Uh, he wanted to put another uh, highway right through... Right through Washington Square Park. Right through Washington Square Park. I mean, this guy... Basically, the Southern State Park very Park. quietly acquired a lot of power in New York City. Um, he was never appointed or elected to anything. He just kept becoming boards and like you know pulling agencies under his control, and then used that to basically build highways over everything and restrict people's access. Huh. Uh, so, a, a really good book is The Power Broker about yeah. by Robert Carroll about his life. But also, what's really interesting is how Jane Jacobs, who was a a, a, a local activist, a neighborhood activist, and a planner basically defeated him just by organizing people, um, even though he had all this power. And her whole uh, opposition was basically, 
neighborhoods are what make cities, not not highways. I think a sociologist famously told Barbara Moses, "If you build these high highways, you're going to destroy the city." And he's like, "That's not my concern. I just want to build a highway." Right. Yeah. Or you know, and that's a terrible abridgment. And but people knew at the time there were radical sociological changes going to come if you give people uh, wealthy people an exit ramp, and they're not. It wasn't necessarily nefarious. It was just sort of you know letting water run downhill, and it ran downhill over neighborhoods and out. You know, Long Island used to be a beautiful mm-hmm. place to drive. Yeah. It is now gridlocked, you know, all the way out to Sag, uh, not Sag- to the Sagatos. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and and the other crazy part is <laughs> we're going to need an episode two. <laughs> he used yeah how he used those highways to basically promote racial segregation because yes. in Long Island, for example, he built. Uh, bridges over highways that were too low for a bus to pass underneath. Right. Basically, oh excluding so, people from around. Yeah, so I'm going to preface all of this conversation with I know very little about transportation other than, as you know, I love scooters. Yes. I do love scooters yeah. and I love bikes. So, and I hate leaving Asbury Park. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, that's why Asbury Park, it's one of the, you know, now we're back to what we're talking about. I think one of the things I love about Asbury Park is I don't like to leave the island on the weekends. Nobody mm-hmm. does. You know, um, for years, you know, we talked about this last week, you know, when I first moved down, nobody wanted to come come down to see us. And I was like, right. fine. Now the, re- now the reverse is like people, people are like, come to this barbecue. Like tomorrow, my cousin's having a barbecue in Bucks County and they're yeah. lovely people. But I'm like. Uh, yeah. No. No. It could be um, come to this barbecue in Eatontown, and I'm like, exactly, oh, that's too far. Yeah. Well, we- oh, I don't think so. Wegmans, I'm like, mm. Yeah, that's the cool thing about living in Asbury Park, though, is that you, you live where people want to visit, right? Yeah, so yeah. Everyone and comes you to are you. carless, correct? I am carless as of February. Okay, yes. and how's that going? Oh, it's great. When I was actually studying at Rutgers at uh, planning school, I also didn't have a car in New Brunswick. Um, so I try to make it, I try every way to make it work so that I don't need a car. Okay. Um, and it's great. I mean, getting around, you know, with, with the advent of Uber and Lyft, I mean, if you need to get somewhere, you can. My roommate also has a car, so that helps uh, if I really am in a pinch. Um, but we really need to think about how we can create uh, a built environment where people don't, people can have choice, right? Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's some people out there who are like anti-car, and I'm not one of those guys who, you know, basically say like, let's get rid of all personal vehicles. No, but I think people need to ha- be able to make a choice. And, you know, the cost of transportation and housing um, sometimes limits that. So, What makes people the most irate that you have to deal with? <sighs> it depends on the subset of people. So residents. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So okay. residents, uh, it's not so much, you know, we have a resident permit parking system, uh, program in the areas near the waterfront and the downtown. Um and it's not so much that residents are pissed about paying for the permit, which, although it's a num, it's not. It's, it's so small. It's a nominal it ends up being amount. Less than a dollar a week. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Or a little over a dollar a week. But it's not so much that they they get pissed about paying for it. It's that a lot of, especially because we're in New Jersey and and we have been so auto centric for so long, people expect to be able to park right in front of their house, right? And they just don't get that. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna try and make an opportunity for you to find parking within a few blocks of your house. You may have to walk with your groceries. Sorry, but this is a city, and not only that, it's a city at the beachfront. So during the summer season, it's just impossible to think that you're gonna have a space right in front of your house. Right. And that's just a hard conversation. To have and you're talking to two people who came from the Santander. Right. And when we moved in, when I moved into the Santander, say 2000, 2001, it was a sea of parking. 
all there was was parking. Yeah. And by the time I left in 2013, 2014-ish, we, 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 we left. I mean, I still have the unit, the Santander. I rented mm. to a friend of mine. But um, you didn't move your car. If you came home Friday, you did not move your car. Yeah. You couldn't move your car. And when we moved into the house, and I could, like, at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, go get a slice of pizza and come back to mm. a parking spot, mm. I, I, it was, like, decadent. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think... Right. And, you know, I would get home from work on Fridays in the summer, and the closest I could park would be the 7-Eleven. Right. Or mm-hmm. a couple times over in Allenhurst. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I didn't make, you know, of course you're like, oh, outsiders, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, I still get to live two blocks from the beach. You know, I, right. I, I, you know all things considered, I'd make that, I'd, I'd make that trade again today, right. you know. So, uh, but you're right. If you, if, but the old, but I was, I'm also younger, right? So I think the older and less mobile you are, and that which will happen to all of us, you want to be closer. So that's, sure. um, you know, my <clears throat> laissez-faire attitude about that maybe is not universal, right? I think sure. I understand people have concerns. Like I want to be close enough to, to my house to not hike it uh, in the dark two or three blocks, you know. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to this though. So residents, okay. residents, the yeah. permit parking set, yes. sets them off. Yes. Okay. Visitors, um, it's a lot of different things. Mostly when they get a ticket. Mostly when they get a ticket. <laughs> so, and I, and I kid you not, so I don't know how many times, I get, I'm going to say three times a month, a call from some irate person mm-hmm. who acknowledges, I'll give you a perfect example, I'm not going to say her name, who's like, my son was on the phone, but he was on speaker and he held it below the, the, uh, 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 steering wheel oh. and he still got a ticket so this person is screaming at me at the volleyball game oh, at right. the, i'm sorry the softball, uh, softball game, game yeah. at the softball game and and this person is lovely and telling me how her son should not have gotten a ticket and i was like well it sounds like he he, he was on his phone <laughs> yeah, right. while he was he driving also that's a state law yeah right? that's i just yeah. was like i'm not i'm not gonna fix amy how ticket. much power do you secretly have that nobody acknowledges that you can overturn state law just by uh, how much power none zero <laughs> i couldn't have any less power well and that's the thing i deal with all the time too is like oh can't you just throw out this ticket like no actually even though i'm the director of transportation i can't do that we have right. a court system like you have to talk to the court or the police yeah so. no i get it at least <clears throat> a few times and it isn't it's not always older people either well, I'll tell you all the tickets for cell phone are younger people that are calling me being like, you know, I, I had, I was looking at Google maps and it's like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't get you out of your ticket. Yeah. Um, and then inevitably I, I would say at least once a month I get cursed at. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay. Maybe more than that. Maybe two or yeah, three times a month. <laughs> and is it the standard fuck you or yeah, is it, is it creative? You. No, 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 I never, I don't get threats, but. People just get really irate and they start dropping a bunch of curse words. Curse words. So, so do people recognize you on the street and are like that guy? That or, happens or a lot. This, or you know, email. I love living in Asbury Park. Love it for a lot of reasons. One, I don't need a car. Um, but it is a challenge sometimes when I'm out at a bar or something. Someone recognizes me and says, "Oh, you're that parking guy. Let me tell you about all my problems." Oh, <laughs> it's like oh, it's great. great when they start singing when they begin. <laughs> like it starts with the song. Oh, Oh. oh yeah right yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sing like... my complaints to you. Yeah. Well, I just go right back at them with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to just spend two seconds on on Parklet drama because oh, every yeah. year, yeah. every year we have Parklet drama, mm-hmm. even to the point where you came to my business committee meeting. Yeah. So everybody wants the Parklet, or nobody wants the Parklet, mm-hmm. right? But th- those extremes in behavior. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, the level of people who are like, I need that parklet in front of my place. Why is it always in front of Amy's favorite people? Or somehow I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm designing where this parklet is. Or as we know, somebody on the Shade Tree Commission just moving the parklet, right? Yes. Yeah, just essentially yes. moving the parklet. Yep. Um, so people love it or hate it. And it's like, well, it's drama. Oh, it's, it's always it's, drama. It's, I want to shoot myself every time we bring the parklet out. And the way to try and diffuse it, what we try to do, you know this, is say, listen, it's one parking space. Right. Because you have people claiming that this parklet is harming their business. Yes, because someone cannot park directly in front of it. Which goes back to my other point with employees and, and parking. The biggest problem we have probably in the downtown is that the employees are taking up all the parking for visitors. Um, right. Even if they don't, you know, we have employee parking permits and they can only park on Lake Ave or Summerfield Ave, kind of like on the outskirts of the downtown. But you got, you got a lot of people who pay the $2 an hour to park on Cookman all day, employees, in front of their own business. And it's like, well, if you're so concerned about parking for your visitors, your, your customers, why are you parking right in front of your store? Yeah, when you told me that, we were at a meet, a, a meet, the downtown, I think, meeting. Yeah. And you said it was employees, which I was flabbergasted yeah. i had no idea that 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 demographic was taking up so much of our parking space and we so talked much. about like ways to deal with that like could we relegate them to a floor in the bangs of deck or mm -hmm. like how do how do we kind of deal with that well, yeah if you just think of the number of employees and right. again not that they're nefarious but the number of employees who work at uh the beer garden brick bonnie reed Tallulah's taka how many people are that you know, who need to park to come to right. work yeah and <clears throat> And so, you know, it's not necessarily, they're not trying to be bad people, but that's a lot no. of spaces, right? right? To support the businesses that work here, yeah. uh, that operate here, right? So you're right, it's a dilemma. Yeah, Where do you put them? It is, it is. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, you could park further away, but the reality is for some of our employees, they are cash employees, right? And there is still, right. the whole thing with parking is you could park further away, but there's always a perceived safety issue and security concern, perceived. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily reality. But anyway. Okay. We got to start getting more questions because sure. Jan's store opens at 11. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you could be transportation director, this is a question that came in. If you mm -hmm. could be transportation director in any city anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to travel quite a bit um, and see how other cities handle their, their, you know, what they do with their streets. First of all, let me just say our streets are our biggest public space by far. Way more than parks, way more than um, anything else. So when you start to think about that and how we manage them, um, cars park. Our cars are parked for ninety-five percent of the time, and it seems such a valuable waste of public space that could be used for so many better uses than to have cars parked in them. So on that note, I last September I took a trip to Paris. Uh, basically, it was from Paris to Amsterdam, little road trip, and. It was probably the best trip of my life because I really saw how in Europe, and especially that part of Europe, they just do things differently. So one of my favorite stops is a city that not many people probably visit, but it's Ghent in Belgium. Mm. Um, and what they've done, and, and this is probably where I would want to be, Director of Transportation, um, is they've basically started to restrict cars from coming into the city center. So they have a pretty robust light rail system. They still let taxis in, and they have a huge, huge amount of bike parking uh, in terms of, like, even structured bike parking garages. Um, and they don't let single-occupancy vehicles come into the city center. And what you have is just this amazing public space. I mean, 
all kinds of people sitting out in the plaza, in the street, what were streets, now plazas, um, tables, chairs, uh, activities, performances, and it just becomes such a place that people want to be. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the cool things about Asbury Park is we kind of have that opportunity because um, for so long we haven't we haven't built um, structured parking or surface parking lots, and and that's why people want to come to downtown Asbury Park and our waterfront. People don't want to come to park; they want to come to visit our wonderful businesses and the restaurants and the bars. I have I feel like I have this conversation with people all the time when they're like, "You have to pick you have to build parking decks and parking decks and." You know, when I describe my vision of Asbury, it doesn't include parking decks. Like, I mean, I obviously, you know, I'm voting, I voted yes on the RFP to go out for City Hall because I'm okay if we want to put one there and kind of, you know, alleviate the the parking issues. But my vision of Asbury is not to have parking decks anywhere. Right, right. It's just that they're they're not financially really feasible, honestly. They're money losers and they're, they're eyesores. So... I think the key for us is to really work on creating maybe maybe some structured parking opportunities on the outskirts. And then as that happens, maybe start to take away some of the curb space from parked cars. There's a lot of, the, you know, the transportation arena is changing extremely rapidly between potentially self-driving cars, um, a lot more people now biking and scootering and taking other forms of transportation, and the Uber and Lyft rideshare kind of the whole sharing economy has really changed how we look at the curb, and curbside management is a thing that we're going to really have to tackle in, in, in the near future. I don't, I don't even know what curbside management. Basically, is. the 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 eighteen eighteen or twenty foot long space along the curb that is usually occupied by a parked car is very valuable, because in that same parked car area you can have a hundred Uber and Lyft trips an hour. So that's a hundred more people coming to that single curb space than one parked car. Huh. So the idea is <laughs> we have to really think about how we're using that curb space um, for more than just parking a 2,000 pound vehicle. Hmm. The interesting thing is like the critics of this uh, of this thinking, and I tend to agree with you, you're, you're going to be criticized for either being a godless socialist or <laughs> a free market capitalist intent on destroying infrastructure. <laughs> so... Um, That's why it's perfect. You, it's the perfect well, you've hit the sweet spot. Yeah. You know, and... Can I, I jump in? Now, you mentioned the ride-sharing economy, and I, I, I picked something up off the Monmouth County Transportation um, Council, Council meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so can we talk a bit about GreenSpot Smart yeah. Mobility? So GreenSpot Smart Mobility is an EV, electric vehicle, not company, but... Um, geez, what are they? Mobility provider. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And they're, they're going to be building charging stations around... Um, Asbury, and they've, they've, I've asked for, they've asked for input from residents to see where we would want them, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting, like Memorial Drive. Where, where, do you, where would you see these things mm-hmm. to promote? The, you know, their their mission is to promote the use of the adoption of EV, mm-hmm. uh, electrical vehicles, and things like that. And 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 they say to remove uh, you know carbon burning cars off the street. Correct. That's interesting. Um, but the one thing I thought was uh, fascinating. They also want to they want to promote and uh, a ride sharing service to come along with car that. sharing. Car sharing. Yeah. And what I, you know, what I couldn't get from their website is how would that work? Yeah. Do, uh, do, do you have any details on oh, what that course, means? Yeah. yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. when I started in this position almost three years ago, I knew that we had to move in this direction: is to you know help promote more shared transportation, right? So, car share was always high on my list of, of targets of things to bring to the city, and then also promoting 
uh, sustainable transportation, so electric vehicles, was, was high on my list. So we had been exploring ways on how to do this, and then I was talking actually to a provider uh, or a vendor for, for charging stations for, for electric vehicles, and he said, have you heard of Greenspot? And I was like, no, I haven't. Although I had just been to Paris, and I saw they have a very successful auto lead program, which is basically an electric vehicle car sharing program. And uh, he said to me, yeah, well, they, what they do is they'll build you charging stations for the public to use, but they'll also operate a car share out of some of those spaces. And I thought that was the best idea because it really hits, you know, you're hitting two birds with one stone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, what they're going to be doing is basically, to start anyway, in three different locations, uh, near the oceanfront, in the downtown, and on Springwood Avenue, mm. um, is to install electric vehicle charging stations. And in each location, there'll be some charging spaces for the public who have Teslas or Nissan Leafs or whatever mm-hmm. to charge their vehicle. But then in some of those spaces, there will be car share, car share cars parked for residents to be able to use. And, you know, I think as we think about the, the bigger transportation picture and trying to, you know, with parking, there's supply and demand, right? So we can increase supply, but I think the better way and the way we've tried to do it over the past three years is to reduce demand. If people had options, if they, you know, if there was a car available for them to use only when they needed it, but not all the time, we can start to bring down the number of cars that are owned by people in the city, and that helps to free up spaces for everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So with car share, for us especially, I think the, the, the niche where it's going to really help us is if you're a two-person household, and let's say one person in the household really needs a car to get to work. The other person doesn't. Maybe they work locally, they, they take transit, they telecommute, whatever. Um, if that second person doesn't need to have a car anymore because if they need to go out to a doctor's appointment or to the grocery store or something, there'll be an option available fairly nearby. So the more that we can build out that car share network in more residential areas, especially of the city, I think you'll start to see um, some of the, the, the parking demand come down a little bit. I think when people um, are always with the parking decks, we try to talk about as a council, um, again, just speaking for me, not speaking for the city of Esbury Park, mm. all the different ways that you've brought or try to bring people in the city via not a car, yeah. right? Either the train, scooters, the bike share, mm-hmm. electric cars, um, you fill in any ways I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Um, can we just spend 10 seconds on people hating scooters? <laughs> and it isn't, so there, So let me say this. There are people who have concerns about scooters that are super legit, right? Absolutely. Like Absolutely. super legit that they have brought those concerns to our attention. Um, some I already had about, you know, everybody's worried about the drunks. Mm-hmm. Um, so super legit concerns that people have brought to our attentions. And then there's like people, I saw a scooter once in, <laughs> insert the name of a city. Right. They wreak havoc. Yeah. Let, we can't have scooters. This yeah. is the biggest disaster on the uh-huh. face of this planet. Right. And mm-hmm. you're the biggest moron on the face of this planet for even considering bringing it yeah. to town. Right. Um, so I don't let's talk about that. that. You, when is the scooter service coming? Because right after we talked about it last week, Oh, did I mention ago. people hating me because of scooter? I mean, people have stopped me in the street to tell me how much they hate scooters, and I'll say, "Well, have you? Did you ride? Have you ever ridden one? Yeah. No, 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 no. Why no. would I do that? No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. no you idiot! Nuts? I didn't ride it. I'm going to drive. Horrible. Right? Yeah, exactly. To uh, you. Know. So <laughs> right after we uh, we talked about it last week, I read an article. So we're we're adopting it. I'm interested. I'm supporting it. You know, 
then I read the next day that Nashville has abandoned their scooter program after a year. So what? You know, what's Big mistake? Yeah. What happened? Uh, and can I also just yeah. talk about the thoughtfulness in the scooter program, right? It's yeah. not like Mike and I, it's not like this podcast. We didn't get drunk and then decide <laughs> to go out for scooters, yeah, right? Exactly. So he did a ton of research. Mm-hmm. We went up to Hoboken to, to deal with their right. scooter, yeah. you know, to, to talk to them about issues that they have that we don't bring here. Mm-hmm. We're super um, on top of the drunks, which is why we're shutting the scooters down early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not bringing in an overwhelming amount, a mm-hmm. pretty small amount to kind of test it out. Mm-hmm. But it's really been a thoughtful process in doing it and if it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah. and if we have to get rid of it we have to get rid of it but to not even give it a try to me is like mind-boggling yeah so people have very visceral reactions when it comes to scooters and I, I think it's just because it's new and different you know I think with bike share at least people understand what bikes are um, this is a new form of transportation so and for a different demographic and for a different demographic although uh, when we were up in Hoboken I thought it was interesting that uh, the director of transportation there said that he's seen a number of seniors riding uh, scooters, which I thought was yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, I think you know, change is hard for people, and and when something's new like that, and they don't understand it. I think they just have visceral reactions of hate. Um, and what? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's like I, I I don't know what to do. I mean, I stand there and listen to it because yeah. I'm required to do that because I'm mm. on the council, but. And sometimes I challenge, but most of the time I just let them get their visceral reaction. And then when I say, have you driven them? And they say no, I again assess my situation and decide if I'm going to say something or if I'm going to try to skedaddle to get my cup of coffee and get home. Yeah, and and I try to tell people when when they seem to have an objection to even thinking about scooters, like, oh, they're dangerous or whatever. Well, we already have thousands of dockless vehicles on the street that kill thousands Tens of thousands of people in this state every year. Right. And they're called cars. Right. I mean, let's be real. Well, I, it, what were the rates of pedestrian deaths at, in the last uh, couple of years from auto? Um, just read a stat. Oh, in this state, it's high. It's skyrocketed because of uh, inattentive drivers. It's a big part of it. So they're killing you while you're walking. So I think a scooter is going to hurt less. <laughs> you know, and in, <laughs> That's in, the upside, in, this, I guess. in this country, we just have this, this raw passion about having our own cars and the fierce independence of it and being isolated in our closed little space and feeling like we're like you know we're, we're operating 2,000 pound vehicles that can do damage and I think the more that we can get people to see it a different way get out of their cars and just experience the city in a different way it's going to change mindsets and it already is it, it, it's happening faster than I think a lot of us even thought it would and I don't want to put down the the, the people who um, had legit concerns like some sure. of my girls from um, Women's March had legit concerns about drunks, what time or speeds. And the interesting part of the scooters is you can restrict speeds based on space. So if you're driving down fourth, maybe you'd go 12 miles per hour. But if you're on Ocean Ave, we can restrict you to not be able to go above eight. eight. And we can also shut them down at nine. Mm -hmm. So so can we we do 50 on third? That's my goal. Well, state law doesn't allow them to go over 19 oh, miles an okay. hour. And the technology doesn't go over I just want to keep with the traditions of 3rd Avenue. Though. Yeah. Oh, Joe's <laughs> going to bring up speeding on 3rd. I, um, I think there's a, you know, like I said, scooters are a new thing, not even for the public, but also for us as transportation officials. And, you know, there is some experimentation that has to happen. And we're treating this as a pilot. But there's a, as Amy said, there's a lot of things that we can do. For example, another thing we're doing is the boardwalk is going to be a no-go zone. Basically... If you try to ride a scooter up onto the boardwalk, it's going to slow to a stop, and you'll get a push notification on your phone that says you're not allowed to ride on here. So we can restrict. Where not allowed to ride, ride on sidewalks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. 
Are you required? Uh, it's yeah. I guess you're not required to have a helmet, so I guess no. State yeah. law doesn't require you to have a helmet um, mm-hmm. unless you're under the age of 18. Same mm-hmm. with a bike. Um, they're encouraged, obviously, but the reality is we have to make our safe street, streets safer and build better facilities to accommodate people to feel comfortable um, riding other modes of transportation besides driving. Okay, I just have to hit a couple of questions that came to us that people wanted us to ask you before we go into speeding on third and fourth because we don't those to, are not questions we that don't Mike to, and I have ever heard before never, about speeding no. on third we and fourth. We don't have fourth. to do, go into that. I'm actually, I have um, more questions about the scooters, so yeah. let's, oh, yeah, I'm happy to. All right, well, I got to pop this one out because this came in from somebody. I give you a $20 million budget. We would never, John Moore would never, ever approve. John Moore won't approve of $20 more in your budget, it's let alone true. $20 million budget. But I, if, let's just say, I hand you $20 million and you can do whatever you want with it in Asbury Park, what are you doing? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I think the first thing uh, to tackle is building some structured parking spaces, structured parking garage further from the downtown and then operating a shuttle bus or some other means of transportation to get people from there into the downtown. The next thing is to build out our bike network, uh, uh, have more protected bike lanes, really encourage people to um, use other modes of transportation. The other idea is to subsidize other modes of transportation. So maybe provide our residents with free bike share, free scooters, free mm-hmm. Uber and Lyft rides. Um, anyone who lives in Asbury Park really, really should not drive to other destinations within Asbury Park. There's no reason. We are flat. It's a square mile. We have a grid street system. We have plenty of bike parking everywhere and, and, and ways to really move people around. So, you know, let's let's use the, some of our parking revenue to to subsidize people to not park. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I used to walk in most. Hey, yo, before I quit drinking, I used to. It was a it was a nice brisk walk from the sand tent to the brick wall and back. And it was uh you know, it was, <laughs> yes. you know Grand Avenue. I wore a rut. You know, so it's an eminently walkable city. Um, when are the uh, so two questions? One of the. Uh, when is this um, the EV charging stations? Yeah. When, when do they plan to start that? Uh, they're starting very soon, within the next few weeks. We had some uh, challenges with JCPNL and things getting mm-hmm. that going, but um, definitely by the end of the summer, we'll start to see them in place. And when are we doing the scooters? When is that on? July 24th right now is the launch date. All right, I'll, I will ride one on the 24th. Oh, so they're so fun. Yeah. I, I mean, you you literally, it, it, just getting on it is yeah. is literally fun. It is. I, I'm... I'm on board with that. I, I However, think, uh, if they wreak havoc or whatever, sure. then we'll so what know, happened we'll in Nashville? Do we know? Like, oh, no. so uh, uh, someone riding a scooter was hit by a car and killed. Mm. Um, but it wasn't the scooter's fault. It was it the, wasn't car. the scooter's it was fault. The scooter's right. fault. Right. So, so you know, if if drivers kill pedestrians and cyclists and and other drivers all the time, are we up in arms and saying let's ban cars? No. Why are we Why are we thinking about that with scooters? Because it's new and different, and people will have something to complain about. Uh, um, I ride a motorcycle, and when I tell people that I ride a motorcycle, invariably the first thing they, they, they do is they tell me about the fatal accident that their friend had right. or something. But, you know, as a, <laughs> oh, it's like the first thing. It's like, oh, that's great. And, you know, it's, uh, I know a guy who, you know. I would love to ride a motorcycle. Was decapitated. I was like, thanks. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, sure. But, you know, it is, especially since cell phones, me and my, uh, you know, I've been riding since I was 19. But some friends and I have been riding, my old friends uh, have been riding. Some of them have stopped riding because of the change, you know, cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. They've really, cars are so inattentive that you cannot trust the, per- like, people, motorcycles getting hit while stopped at red lights by a car behind them that's sort of texting and. Right. 
coast right through them. They're coasting to a stop, but a stop five feet farther than where your bike is. Right. So cars are really lethal um, things, and I'm not against cars, but you know, you're, you're right. So why get rid of the scooters right. if the car hit them? Right, right, you know, right. Um, Okay, I got to do another question because I got to hit the the few that were emailed by sure. the oh, what yes. is now nine listeners. Maybe I'm just twelve. Making that number up, it's probably three. like it's, it's growing all the oh, time, yeah, yeah, like yeah. bacteria. <laughs> um, okay, what is one thing that you wish citizens knew about transportation? I I think if, if it's complicated, it I is feel like complicated. That's I I think if people realize that there's a high cost to free parking, if if everyone read that book by Don Shoup and understands what that what free parking does not only to our built environment but to our society I mean it increases the cost of housing because when you require developers or anyone who's building homes to have a certain amount of parking within their building that probably won't get used to 100% honestly um, where does that cost get picked up in your rent so I and Which your is prop, the and your entire pro- waterfront. Yeah. So our entire waterfront and requires your pro- parking. And your property taxes. Absolutely. I mean, the interesting unintended consequence of parking everywhere is you know higher real estate costs, higher barriers to affordable housing. Yes. And so there's external costs to the free parking. You know, to make an economic argument, the external costs for parking have not been adequately uh, built into society, and we're pay- we pay the price for this. And so, yeah. and what people are objecting to is actually uh, when you make them pay. Parking, that's actually an attempt to rectify the external Correct. cost. Yeah. You know, and Any free commodity is abused, right? Yeah. Um, I like to tell a story about the downtown. So, one of the first things I did when I came on board here in Asbury <clears throat> Park was to look at areas we can pretty easily increase the amount of paid parking in order to get the turnover that the businesses need, so needed. So, Summerfield Avenue for a long time was free parking. And that was one of the streets that we targeted and said, okay, this is right adjacent to the downtown it's well lit it's it's a it's a great street to have public paid parking and what i didn't realize was there was there's not many residences or, or you know housing units on summerfield avenue but there was one resident on summerfield ave who has six cars and because parking was free on that street he parked all six of his cars on summerfield ave every day now with some of Summerfield. How did Jackie Sharp not complain to me about that? I don't think she on, knew, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it Summerfield here or Summerfield? Because I feel like Jackie here, watches uh, that uh, yeah. street like nobody's business. I yeah, mean, I get yeah. complaints about trash, snow removal. Yeah. And for those of our listeners who don't know, Jackie has an amazing donut shop called Purple Glaze that mm. you should all be getting your donuts at because it's phenomenal. But she is like a mother hen on, on, on what is going on on that street. I'm regularly updated. So yeah. I'm shocked she didn't, she did not report that. Yeah. That is the only report she has not made to me. I mean but the cars never moved so maybe she just thought they were employees or something you know so the the idea that something's free again it gets abused and, and regulation helps to create that turnover that like oh dude you live downtown like you shouldn't be parking all six of your cars on our downtown streets I mean I see that on our side on the, uh, on the west side on New Street <clears throat> and I don't want to get my neighbors in trouble but count the commercial vehicles parked back there mm. there's six at least six or seven commercial vehicles there all year round. I guess, you know, 15 years ago when there wasn't a lot of traffic and parking right, back there, perhaps fine. that was fine. But right. now you there's a lot of foot traffic and, and visitors. Um, you know, It's noticeable. So it's an interesting. I would actually say one of the top 10 complaints, if I were putting com- transportation complaints, is commercial vehicles. Uh, I pretty consistently hmm. get that. Yeah. Well, that's something we really haven't tackled yet. Maybe 
something we want to think about. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um, all right. Uh, can we spend two seconds on assless chaps? <laughs> of course. Okay. Have you yeah. ever worn them? I have not. Why? Um, I don't own them. See, I don't know. Yeah, no, no offered. Amy, Amy, I think you're asking the why question. It's like, as if that was the norm, right? It's like, you know, what, what do you mean? You haven't worn assless chaps? I mean, look around you. Would what? I wear them? Would you wear them? Uh, yeah, definitely not on a bike. Only on a scooter. Only on a scooter. Okay, yeah. so maybe he can yeah, borrow yours, Joe. He could. Um, we're seeing a lot less assless chaps at Pride over the years, and I'm, I'm oh. doing my own personal survey on why that is. Mm. Because we used to see them, and we're again going back to 2003 for a sea of assless chaps at you Pride. Know, you know, uh, my friends who are not from Asbury, who listen to the podcast, they're like, what is up with the assless chaps? And I'm like, I... You, I never. Oh, saw I'm inserting it, it in every. I, I know, I know. I had to explain. It's like that's a thing, you know. Um, to just get used to it. Well, we used to have. So we used to. We do a bunch of fundraisers at Georgie's, and and kudos to Joe Cole, who's always raising money for all good causes. And um, I'm telling you, I would walk into Georgie's in 2005, and there'd be at least five or six people in assless chaps. Mm. Now I walk into Georgie. You walk into Georgie. Yeah, nobody's I'm wearing yeah, assless nobody, chaps nobody, now. Well, I mean, well. I, I don't know what to do. The only time I was ever in Georgie's is when, uh, during Hurricane Sandy, we were without power. It was like the one of two places to get beer. <laughs> Where <laughs> right. I went for so Maybe can I ask a trans- to... transportation question sure. before? Is it can related we... to assless chaps? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Can, uh, can we get a New York City jitney? So one of the issues of transportation mm-hmm. is getting to New York, it right? Is. Yeah. When I lived in New Brunswick, yeah, as you know, as a, as a Rutgers person, also. Uh, you know, I could be in the train in Manhattan in 45 minutes uh, before they put the Seacaucus station. You could be in there in the 45. Yeah. You know, one of the great barriers to sort of New York City commuting and actually visiting yeah. is how difficult it is to get there. The NJ Transit, you know, the Jersey Shore Line is sort of a trapped line. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I have friends from the Hamptons. I'm like, they, they take the Hampton Jitney. They live in New York City and they go visit their parents. And they take the Hampton Jitney. Not that we should be like the Hamptons, but I'm like, what about a dedicated Asbury Park bus line for visitors and tourists to, to, to not drive? Yeah, I, it's a great idea. And it's something that we definitely need for our own development to, to encourage more tourists, to make our business community even more successful. Um, we need better transit service to New York City. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of discussions with NJ Transit. And our, uh, we're going to be meeting with our county freeholder this month, too, to talk about this. But we need better service mm-hmm. on the New Jersey Transit, North Jersey coastline. Yeah. Um, between Or even a Philadelphia jetty. We have a lot of Philly. Well, that's another thing I want to get yeah, to in a right. second. So um, we definitely, like, whether it's, uh, you know, eliminating the need to switch trains in Long Branch, I think that would go a long way if we had some more dual-powered locomotives to cover the non-electrified line south of Long Branch. I think that would, that yeah. would help a lot. And then just more express service. Um, what a lot of people maybe don't even know is we also do – Academy runs a Port Authority to Asbury Park bus, uh, I think, every day and also on the weekends. Okay. Uh, and I, I see it drive through the town sometimes, and it's, like, completely empty. So I think more people need to know about that, and that's a good way to get here. When was the last time you saw someone in assless chaps? <laughs> pride, probably. Okay, you yeah. did. You saw somebody this pride in assless yeah, chaps? Yeah, there definitely was. There's the you know that. Crew, well, you saw the one person. The you should have texted me because I didn't see any of it. Or whatever they're no, called. you know they bears. They, the bears. Bear, yeah, yeah. Bears yeah, or cups. There's a the mask thing is weird to me. I don't, I don't know. I mean, love and not judging. Love and not judging. Not judging. Did you say leather? There's a lot of names there. Leather daddy. Maybe we should do a leather show. Sure, I'll and work. the dis- you know because there's 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 a, a lot of intricacies with um, bears and cubs and leather and all of that. Mm. Um, I have to ask something else because again we have to get out of here so Jan can open. Yeah. Uh, 2020 election thoughts. Oh, 
Whoa. Um, we ask everybody. Yeah. I mean, a- Amy asks everybody. I do. I mean, in general, my position is I'll probably never vote for a straight white man for president again. So okay. that eliminates a couple people there. Um, I like a lot of the candidates. So um, no Beto, no Biden, no Bernie. No Beto, no Biden, no Bernie. Yeah, I guess that's, that's all that rules yeah. out. Oh, no um, bees. I feel like Warren is killing it. I feel like she's killing I think it. I, Warren is killing it. She's definitely proving that she knows how to run a campaign, like, big time. And I love that she just doesn't engage, right? Because the whole, yeah. the testing, you, you know, that she, she engaged a, yeah. a little while ago, and that wasn't great for her. But she just hits you with policy and policy and yeah. policy and policy and policy that... I mean, I just don't know how you don't think she's killing it. Yeah, she is. Without, you know, issuing like an endorsement, I always think that, you know, one interesting thing I saw, um, I think Elizabeth Warren gives policy, clear policy answers to emotional questions, Mm -hmm. where someone like Bernie gives emotional Emotional answers answers to policy questions. Right, yeah. Right? So you think you, you feel like you agree with them as like, you know, but I think it behind the scenes, it's like, well, it's just magic. Yeah, how does this this actually work? Yeah. 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 Um, And that's why I like um, Pete Buttigieg a lot, too. I think. Me too. Yeah. I have to, I actually, so my neighbor, Russell Lewis, who owns Mm -hmm. Watermark, the place I got drunk at when I thought about doing this podcast, Mm -hmm. um, but he loves Mayor Pete, yeah. and um, I was a little like, uh, but I'm telling you, the guy, the guy has won me over. He's, he's, his approach, his demeanor to everything is just like he exudes confidence, and he knows totally what he's doing, agree. even though he's only 37. And, um, and being a mayor, like, as you know, Amy, being a city official, like, you have to deal with real-world problems Absolutely. like in the moment, you know, right. as opposed yeah. to, like, you know, pie-in-the-sky kind of dreams about... Yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm a pragmatic person. I'm like, how do you solve these particular issues? Like, the, you know, these, <clears throat> because you get, uh, yeah, um, well, not to get too much, like, I like to hear how, how is this going to be done? Like, right. I don't want to hear, like. Well, then eliminate Bernie right there. Yeah. I mean, well, I feel like you just eliminated Bernie, <laughs> yeah. which, well, my, which for me, you know, well, his supporters compl- are so hard for well, me. My complaint yeah. about Bernie the entire time is he couldn't, he can't bear to be called a Democrat, but every couple of years demands to be the presidential candidate for, for a party Democratic that he party. Would, does yeah. not suffer. I never got that either. He doesn't want to be belong to the rest of the time, and I just it bothers me. Yeah. Um, I am also a Harris fan. I was gonna say I, like um, I am a I yeah, am yeah. a Harris fan. I think she's doing great. I yeah. think she's also killing it. Not not as well as Warren, but she is definitely killing it. Yeah. And I think she's getting grief about being a prosecutor, which I yeah. think for yeah. women and minorities that's a complicated job. Absolutely. And you're, you know. Uh, I just I wish people as somebody who's dealt with a lot of prosecutors over the years um, it's complicated and I've met some really horrible ones mm-hmm. and she is not one of them yeah. e- even if you don't like her stands and and I also think people are not viewing the historical context of those stands so it's like if I never voted I could never vote for a politician if I took the stand that didn't support marriage equality, because in the 90s, no politician supported marriage equality, right? right? I mean, you kind of have to look at that historical context. You may not be my first choice. Look at that historical context and vote. And I I just think she's getting grief that I'm not sure is merited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Two more real quick, I think, that are interesting. I didn't think anything of Julian Castro until that first debate. He was great. I thought he was great. I thought he held himself well. His answers were perfect. He was, he used Spanish in a, respectable way right. unlike the As others Beto, bless him Beto and Booker um, I really did I like what he had to say so maybe I don't know about president maybe good vice president candidate maybe. okay um, 
And Andrew Yang, even though I think he's a terrible presidential candidate, I think th- I think we got to talk about UBI a little bit. I don't think it, it gets enough hmm. discussion out there and, and, and what it could be and how it's not necessarily a socialist solution. It's kind of a free market solution. You're putting money in people's pockets to spend in the economy. You know, so. Can I give also speaking of the of the debates? I thought Klobuchar was she put herself on the map to me. Yeah. I loved how the white straight guy's talking about everything he's done for abortion rights. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. on a stage full of women who have done a lot of work with abortion rights. Um, oh, I thought she was. I know for some people she's maybe not as progressive as you would yeah. like, but she's like a completely reasonable person who maybe she can get Pennsylvania and yeah. all the states that we lost in 2016. But she put herself on the map to me. I definitely like her. like her. And who's the other guy from Colorado? Bennett? Michael Bennett. Interested in him too. Yeah, okay. he was okay. I like to hear a lot of things. Straight, white, I, straight white man, so he's out for me. But Right. Um, not for me, but uh, <laughs> you, there's a... I like. I want to hear. Like, yeah. Again, policy issues. Yeah. I want to hear. Do you have plans? Like, you know, just make shit up that doesn't make me happy. Right. Yeah. So we want to thank. Do you want to say one last thing? No, no, no. Okay. I'm just gonna, yeah. uh, oh, I got to get us out of here because Jan's got to work. Oh, you know, she's got to open her store and bless. Bless Jan for letting us do this on the first and third Saturday every morning. She gets yeah. here two hours early. She puts up with Joe putting all of these devices out that I don't know what they are, yeah. and um, it's she's amazing. Do I. I and to please say, support your independent <laughs> bookstore. I have to say Jan's the best too because yeah. you know most of the time I'm getting really angry emails and phone calls a lot every day. Mm. Um, Jan's the one person who will send me an email just saying like I think what you're doing is great yeah. and I like this initiative. And it just helps so much. She is the one, loveliest of lovelies. One thing I want to throw out there, you know, we put, I put a promo for Jan in the middle of the podcast. I just want to be clear, we're not receiving any, you know, remuneration for this. Like, oh my you know, god! So, like, yeah. No, so we're not. Nobody's getting any money. Uh, right, right. For this so podcast. I was just like, I was like, was it? I was like, I, 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 I put that in there. I'm like, was it legal for me to even do that? Like, you know, so we're. We're, we're throwing out our appreciation for Jan, that, you know, because she's letting us sit in her back office here. Yeah, totally. And, um, we yeah. love Jan. We do. All right. So our next, we're not sure who we're, we have. We a, don't know we who have, our next guest is. We so. don't, but it's probably going to be transportation related because July is transportation month for so, us. Well, for, whatever know, that gotcha. means. Amy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy declared a transportation yes. month? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever we, that means. Well, we could discuss. But we do yeah. have a call into Carrie Martin, who we adore. I so say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. We love Carrie. So yeah, I know, but her shop's open at the same time, so we have to coordinate that. Um, um, but we'll be back in two weeks. It'll be back in two weeks. And, um, and this will be up whenever Joe figures it out. Well, it'll take me a couple hours to sort of edit out all the mistakes. And then, then I'm going to try to mix it so it sounds like it's not all in everyone's left ear. Um, you know, uh, so hopefully, if not today, uh, by Monday. Okay, cool. All right, thank you. Thanks right. for having me. This was fun. Thank you.